This is the Saxo Market Call, the daily financial markets podcast across asset classes and around the world. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call on Tuesday, August 15th, 2023. And, um, I think for once I'll be a little bit quiet on equities. Uh, I know you laughed about that earlier, but um, I don't think a particular lot of interesting things are going on in the equity market, except maybe we had a rebound yesterday. It was pretty sizable. NVIDIA shares were up uh, 7%. And um, as you can see on slide two, the theme baskets, it was really what was powering on the semiconductors basket, gaming and cybersecurity stocks as well, bubble stocks. So um, it, we, we had a, a turnaround in cyclical sectors and compared to the defensive sectors um, that we have recently talked about. So, you know, it is what it is. And we, we have had, and, and that's actually a segue into to you, Ole, because we had some, some more news out of China. China's really at the center. You had Janet Yellen talking about the US, sorry, the slowdown in China and what's happening there being a risk to the US economy, but only a risk. Um, and uh, the, the Chinese lack of, uh, what, what, what can we say, strong economic activity uh, will uh, um, force the, um, the the People's Bank of China to cut some of their key monetary policy rates. And it came at the same time as, as we had a very strong uh, second quarter GDP figures coming out from Japan due to very strong exports, very weak uh, private consumption. But um, China stimulus, lower interest rates, um, what does that mean for copper? Well, it means uh, that it's uh, managing to uh, hold on, um, even though we've seen this uh, all this uh, stream of uh, bad or worse than expected data coming out of China now for the past few months. So, um, copper is holding on, and uh, as you can see here on, on the on slide two, it's uh, it's basically just getting uh, boxed in in the range that's becoming smaller and smaller. But uh, I'll say with considering how some of the other metals has performed, you can see that performance so far is uh, is. It's pretty robust. We are only slightly down on a year, whereas we've seen some big losses uh, elsewhere. The index is is down around fifteen percent, and it, it really it 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 boils down to uh, an underlying demand which actually remains reasonably robust. The uh, the green demand is uh, is is picking up, and it is having an impact on on the overall level of demand. And uh, as we know, and as we've known for months, uh, inventory levels are are pretty low across the world. And uh, production uh, is is coming on board this year, but then in the coming years it's going to uh, taper off. So um, underlying support still there, but again, is this a trigger for a recovery at uh, this moment in time? Probably not. I think we have to be patient, but uh, it it just seems like when we if, when we can manage this kind of weakness, then uh, then it it's from a longer term perspective it looks okay. I like copper. Um, so um, <clears throat> I, I really think that the long-term outlook for copper is very interesting. But Ola, I'll, I'll park you a little bit now on commodities and go to ULT. Are you, you know, bonds really seem to be in flux. Uh, we have the US 10-year yield at four point, uh, 420 basis points. We have uh, mortgage rates in the US, you know, pushing towards some of the highest I saw yesterday in, in more than 20 years. I mean, a lot of action in the bond market. But on slide four, you want to start the conversation with inflation linkers. And maybe before you just go into your spiel, sometimes we have listeners on this podcast that are not as uh, as educated in all the different corners of financial markets. So maybe just very brief, what is an inflation linker, just so we have that in place? So inflation linker is a, is a bond issued by the U.S. Uh, Treasury. 
um, that uh, is uh, paying investors according of uh, um, where the CPI print is at a certain point in time. So in case the CPI is uh, rising while you hold this bond, the, um, uh, the face value of your bond would uh, rise in value and the coupon will be paid uh, on uh, the increased value of that bond. So uh, what does that mean is that if you had uh, such a product on, on your, uh, in, uh, in your portfolio, um, you will be able to create a buffer against surprises of uh, inflation. And that's why we believe that at this point of time, these in- instruments are really important for a uh, for investors for the simple reason that we are entering the last quarter of the year where uh, the market is going to be vulnerable to surprises in upticking inflation uh, coming from a tight from tight commodities uh, uh, markets and uh, short-term tips so inflation protected securities are going to be able to protect portfolios from these upticks in uh, in inflation. Uh, these products didn't really uh, work well in 2022 because uh, um, the Federal Reserve was uh, hiking interest rates. So even though they were providing perfect, uh, uh, protection against inflation, they lost value. But now we are in a completely different uh, uh, environment. The Federal Reserve, uh, we believe it's done hiking and uh, in 2024 will prepare to cut interest rates. So tips will benefit uh, uh, from that equally as uh, um, or even more than uh, than nominal, uh, uh, nominal rates. So you know, like uh, I'm, uh, I'm just uh, explaining uh, inflation link uh, securities, uh, um, Peter, because I really want uh, to link them to our um, outlook, uh, which has changed uh, as of uh, recent. Uh, we are basically not envisioning anymore a soft landing of the economy. We believe that uh, we are going towards stagflation. And what does the stagflation mean? It means that central banks uh, on both sides of the Atlantic will have uh, hands tied. It means that they would not be able uh, to hike interest rates because otherwise they will put the economy in jeopardy. Uh, and But they will not be able to cut either because uh, otherwise they put pressure, upward pressure on uh, inflation. So basically they are going to stay higher for longer until something breaks and uh, the cutting uh, cycle uh, begins. But what, uh, how does that translate in uh, terms of... Um, U.S. Treasury and yield curve, it means that uh, the front part of the yield curve will be more or less underpinned, more or less where it is now, but long-term yields uh, um, are poised to rise and they might uh, stabilize uh, much higher than uh, where they are now and trade range-bound until uh, the cutting cycle uh, begins. And I'm going to take you on slide number five, uh, where uh, I put uh, the um, uh, inflows and outflows uh, charts for the TLT. TLT is uh, an ETF uh, that is invested in uh, long uh, uh, US uh, treasuries, and uh, for uh, uh, for the first time in more than one year, 
uh, we have uh, monthly outflows for uh, for uh, this uh, ETF. Basically, it's showing uh, that uh, investors uh, are pulling out money. They don't want to be invested anymore in uh, long durations. And I don't blame them, Peter, because uh, um, duration is expensive. You pay basically 80 basis points uh, to, to be in a more risky uh, U.S. Treasury than short-term uh, um, short-term bonds, and uh, obviously they, they they long and it seems that uh, um, that uh, rates might rise even further. And always in the same slide, I put the thirty-year uh, yields, and uh, they are rising towards four point four percent. And we believe that if they break above that level, uh, they might find resistance next at 4.75. Uh, like we are looking at 4.75% in 30-year U.S. Treasury yields and 4.5% in 10-year yields uh, as key levels, uh, key resistance levels for the U.S. Treasuries. All right, but um, do you want to talk about? I mean, now that you're already going on a on a spiel here on bonds, I mean, you also have on slide six. Uh, it seems like a, a comment on uh, or two on the uh, on what's happening in the UK gilt market because it's really, I mean, the UK we have to admit is is in focus. One of the central banks that are probably forced to hike rates while all others are going into a pause mode. I mentioned UK equities as the cheapest equity market among all the 23 developed equity markets in the world. Um, a lot of focus on on the on the UK, but um, what do you want to say on uh, on slide six, Elta? So what we have seen this morning is that uh, wages uh, surprised by almost 100 basis points. They came out at uh, 8.2% on a yearly basis um, versus was expected 7.4. And then employment rate also surprised on the upside coming at 4.2 versus 4.0 expectations. So basically what does that tells to investors is that the Bank of England doesn't have inflation under control and secondly that the Bank of England might need to continue to hike quite aggressively while uh, the economy is obviously decelerating. So um, that opens up uh, to a possible 50 basis point rate hike in September um, and uh, for a peak rate to arrive at uh, 6% and that's probably where the market is going uh, right now as, uh, as uh, we speak. Uh, but uh, on slide number six, uh, I put a chart that I really like and I talked about it uh, several times, which is the two-year swap spread, uh, the spread between uh, um, two-year yields, guilt yields, uh, and the two-year UK swap. And that remains elevated, and this morning uh, has widened even further. So what does that mean is that... Uh, uh, two-year gilts right now are too expensive and uh, they are poised to rise again and test uh, uh, resistance at 5.5%. Uh, and if it's true that we are going to get uh, a 50 basis point uh, uh, rate hike, it might be possible that they will continue to rise. So it might not be an appealing entry point for um, gilts right now, as uh, the the UK gilt uh, uh, curve will continue to bear uh, flatten. 
but uh, we have to remember that if the Bank of England gets more ex- uh, more aggressive, uh, it's better to be locked on risk-free assets at 5% uh, rather than bet on risky assets. All right. And, and talking about rates, um, we obviously have to talk about uh, gold, Ole, because gold, wow. I mean, we had that big rebound in during the summer months. Um, so in July, we had a big rally. Um, we hit into these air pockets. We flipped around, um, and um, with the the big change, the downgrade to the US uh, to the US debt, you know, the 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 different pricing of the forward curve of Fed funds uh, rates. It's a very different environment right now for for gold. I know you have been talking a lot about gold recently, but um, what's um, what you what you're thinking right now with what's happening? Well, basically, until we get a, uh, a change in direction for yields and the dollar, uh, we're not going to see much in terms of upside. And uh, I just put in my monitor there on the right-hand side, and it ties also very well into what uh, Altia talked about, the real yields uh, hitting record, hitting was record or at least multi-year highs. And uh, that is obviously a formidable uh, opponent to, to gold, and we're also seeing that in the funding rates of, of uh, holding a gold position. So uh, right now, the dollar has strengthened recently. Real yields have been moving higher. We've seen uh, the market still... Uh, Firmly believing that uh, we we well still uh, the jury is still out on whether we're going to have another rate car, rate hike, but then the subsequent cuts next year has been lowered as well, and this basically just led to a uh, quite a long extended period of uh, of weakness in the ETF market, where we've seen sellers now on on a regular basis for for several weeks. We're down to a low holding wise since uh, t- March 2020. Uh, speculators as well has been cutting out of uh, gold position. So right now, it's um, I think we we are we're not really swaying away from our long-term uh, positive view. But again, right now we need to see some of the underlying drivers uh, change direction, and we are not getting at that getting that right now. So that basically opens up for uh, a challenging of the the key support area here around 1900. You can see on the chart there on slide seven how important it is. Uh, the 200-day moving average is holding for now, but uh, but generally, if we do break lower, then you can see some of the potential uh, targets that we could uh, we could uh, uh, challenge on the downside. All right, and um, U.S. crop condition. Do you remember we talked about this report yesterday, where Indeed. I said <laughs> where, yeah. where I said is that even an interesting report? And you said, yeah, well, sometimes it is quite interesting. And was it in an interesting report? Well, the grain traders will uh, will uh, will be very excited because we we had a five percent jump in the crop condition for soybeans. So uh, this is very rare that we see such an, a solid improvement in such a short period of time. So it just highlights that we come come out of a very dry uh, condition back in June and July, and now things are picking up. So basically, pr- production is likely to increase as well. And at the same time, we got uh, the superpowers of uh, exports out in, down in South America, especially Brazil, firing on all cylinders when it comes to exports, uh, both for soybeans and corn. And that basically means that uh, there's not really much room for in the market for for US-based uh, price uh, grains. And that's why we're seeing corn, soybeans, and wheat, I'll say surprisingly as well, uh, on the on the defensive right now. Fascinating, and I, I really like uh, I really like your chart there, Ul on uh, on slide eight. I mean, <clears throat> such a stable, stable low volatility trend, um, and um, and then suddenly everything is just basically ex- exploding uh, with high volatility. So um, interesting developments there. Um, as I said, I wanted to keep it very short on equities. Um, already mentioned Nvidia. One interesting story I want to highlight. I have, don't have any slide on it, so I'll just talk you through it. Is that uh, Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway company have uh, increased their investments in a lot of U.S. home builders, one of them being D.R. Horton. And I thought it was quite an interesting play. So when you look at D.R. Horton, I might write a, a note on it. So significantly stronger operating margins than compared to historical averages. It's a very strong player. 
there has been a deficit, a structural deficit. You know, they've built way too few homes in the U.S. for more than a decade now. So despite the higher mortgage rate, this market is actually quite robust. I, I, I see it as a very interesting play. So the way I think the Berkshire Hathaway is thinking about the U.S. home builders is that because of the structural deficit and if the economy doesn't slip into a recession, these companies will continue to have the upper hand in this market, delivering very strong uh, returns on capital. The free cash flow yield, by the way, in DR Horton right now is around 7 8%. So very, very interesting setup. And then, so if things continue like this, they will do well. But if suddenly the interest rate were to fall, you will have a pretty big, big, uh, pretty big bang for your, for your buck, I think, in these home builders, because that would increase activity and, uh, and also lift the value of uh, real estate in the US. So I think it's a very interesting convexity trade, actually, to, to make. Earnings to watch, slide nine. Um, we have three companies in focus today. Home Depot, New Holdings, which is the pairing company of New Bank, one of the largest online banks in, uh, in uh, South America. And then C-Limited operating a very big gaming company, um, mobile gaming company, but also the, one of the largest e-commerce businesses in Southeast Asia. Home Depot, of course, being the most important one, $300, $300 billion market cap uh, business. They are expected to deliver negative revenue growth uh, for the quarter that ended in July. So we ha- th- these are very fresh numbers. They're only a couple of weeks old. Uh, operating income down by a billion dollars from eight billion to seven billion expected for for the for the quarter that ended in in July. And if you look at the analyst estimates, I've put that those in. The analysts are actually expecting negative revenue growth for the for for the quarter that ended in July, and then the subsequent two quarters that will end by January next year. And you know, negative revenue in a, in this inflation environment that's a pretty ugly um, impact on on volume. And again, I think this goes back to why. The Chinese manufacturing sector is so weak. We have a lot of discretionary spending in the in the developed world that has been impacted quite heavily on volume. So in nominal terms, it's still growing, but when you look at the volume because of inflation, it's down. People are cutting back on that, and obviously that takes down uh, manufacturing output from uh, from China. The macro calendar, CDW survey, one of the uh, one of the key uh, surveys to track here in Europe. We have U.S. retail sales for July at twelve thirty. Canada and uh, July CPI 12:30 as well, and then we have the Empire Manufacturing. We're beginning to get us further of these uh, regional uh, manufacturing surveys from the U.S. and the Empire, obviously tracking the um, the, the state of New York. Um, and then we have an API weekly crude and fuel stock report later to uh, later today at 12:30. Uh, but otherwise, I think the the key look ahead for for the market, obviously uh, permits and, and housing starts uh, tomorrow will be interesting in the U.S. We have the jobless claims. Are there any changes there? We'll have to see. We have Eurozone CPI on Friday, obviously interesting. But otherwise, it is, it is really this uh, Jackson Hole symposium at um, later this month, at August uh, the 24th or the 26th, where the headline is structural shifts in the global economy. I think actually this could turn out to be quite an exciting um, symposium and could move markets potentially. And I think with that, it's a wrap. And we'll be back same time and place tomorrow. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com. <laughs>